I'm back guys, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. It has been a tricky couple of weeks. I've been really, really run down, unwell, fed up, miserable, but I'm back. So welcome to the next episode of the Be A Handy Bish podcast. Hope everyone's had a really good couple of weeks. We are finally seeing some lockdown restrictions lifted. Um, people are able to meet up and eat outside, which is wonderful. I am not, because we all know I like to be warm. I'm not sitting outside. I'm not eating al fresco when it's still very, very cold outside. If it was summer, I wouldn't have a problem. But it's spring, and spring is not warm. It's not warm outside. And I'm sat here now recording this in a jumper, a dressing gown, and a blanket around me, and a hat on. So that's just a little indication and I've had the heating on today as well so that's just a little indication of how I feel about being cold I don't want it we all know I go to chemo every single time and put my bum on those seats ready to be toasty so I'm very very happy that people are able to go out and meet up and and all that jazz but it's not for me not yet after the 17th perhaps I might start venturing out a bit more But to be honest, I don't have a massive urge to get out there and be outside. (laughs) I don't, I don't have, I want to see people, I want to be around people, but being in crowded restaurants or, I don't know, I just, I don't have the urge to really, really be around people that I don't like or know or care about but yeah bring my friends bring them to me come to me friends come let's be together that sounded way more sexual than I intended sorry so it's been two weeks since the last podcast and in that time last week like I say I was pretty miserable and I had I was really really unwell if I if I must say my blood levels fell again, so my haemoglobin fell. Didn't fall as low as it did before, but I actually felt much, much worse. I also had my second COVID vaccination, and that could possibly have something to do with it. Um, my arm was super duper sore, but overall, you know that just general unwell feeling? That was me. Oh, So I, I, yeah, I've just been really, really unwell. And... And to be honest, uh, uh, depressed, I don't know. Definitely, definitely down. I've definitely been feeling down. Um, Feeling sorry for myself. Feeling angry. Fed up of being sick and tired. Sick of being sick and tired. And I wasn't sure how to deal with that. And I didn't know if I wanted to come on here and talk about that. Because I'm having real issues with myself and feeling like I'm moaning all the time. But maybe we can get into that in a minute. Topics I'm going to be talking about today, just give you a little brief ahead of time, the headlines. So I kind of wanted to dive into a little bit about why I'm recording the podcast. We're on our fourth episode now. And I just wanted to talk about my my reasons for doing this, essentially. I wanted to talk about understanding my my unwellness and how I ended up getting a transfusion again. Uh, I had so much feedback on the childhood games (laughs) from last time. So I was going to talk about that and yeah, just some, some Tiana time stuff as well. And yeah, 
see where we get to really so talking about why the why 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 have you started a podcast leanne what's what drove you to do this what inspired you uh that's what i would say to myself if i was interviewing myself what inspired you to do this basically people keep telling me that i should be writing things down or i should be journaling or or that i should be podcasting or vlogging and i felt i already put a lot of myself out there on instagram and i just kind of thought like well journaling's not i'm too lazy to write i'm very lazy i don't know if i've said this before i'm lazy so journaling is not the one for me i always feel a bit stupid journaling as well I always feel like I'm talking to an empty room. So journaling didn't didn't really strike me. Vlogging. I don't know if you see me. I've got no eyebrows. I've got no hair. I look like a potato. So I think regular videos of a potato talking to a camera are not really going to go down that well, to be honest. I I do talk to my stories a little bit on Instagram. And I'm... I think I'm getting more confident with my potato-ness but the, I, the thought of kind of setting up a, a studio space where I'm talking to a camera and the pressure to perhaps look a certain way or something like that I just don't have I don't have the time or the energy to do that I feel like at the moment I've barely got the energy to sit on this chair and, and talk to you guys but I think when I started the first podcast, the first episode, it was off the back of feeling that I just needed to get some of my words out. There was so much going on in my head. I just needed to kind of talk about it a little bit. And although these podcast episodes, I hope that people find them informative, I hope to break down some of the the unknown, because before I was on this journey in inverted commas, I had no idea what cancer was, really, what cancer treatment looked like, what chemo looked like, even from an outsider, I'm very, very fortunate that, you know, I don't know loads of people who've been through it, I actually know more people now, and there's lots of people who kind of keep their journeys to themselves, which actually, sometimes I'm like, should I have done that? And again, I'll talk about that a bit later. But there's this kind of, I guess there's not a stigma, but we don't talk about, we don't talk about what chemo is like. And unless you're following lots of people who have cancer on Instagram, who are very open about their journeys, people generally don't talk about what chemotherapy is like. The thoughts that are going through their head when they're having their treatment, when they're going through the the different stages. And I am a chatty patty, so... I started recording the episode because I had words that I needed to get out and then I realised that I want as many people as possible to understand what it's like for someone to go through chemotherapy so that if ever they're in that situation there's a reference and obviously everybody's journey is different not everyone is gonna is gonna have the same chemo cancer journey but just kind of give a bit of insight into what it's like for someone going through chemotherapy and hopefully you know well hopefully not if you know someone who's going through it you can kind of go oh hang on I remember I remember Leanne talked about that and that was how she felt and this was how she felt so there's this insightness 
insightfulness, insight, incitening, the incitening, the new ITV drama by Jed Mercurio. Please, line of duty. So disappointing. But I'm also not dis. Anyway, we're digressing. We'll talk about that later. It's fine. Yeah, so breaking down some of the walls that are there for people who have cancer and their friends and their family and their support systems. To bring a bit of peace to myself, it helps me talking about this stuff. It helps me process my thoughts. I don't know if you noticed, I just kind of ramble through it all and it and it helps me process my own thoughts. To understand, for people to understand that it's not all doom and gloom, despite how miserable some of these podcasts are. It's not all doom and gloom. And to, to just normalise it a little bit, really, more than anything. And to just spread a lot of awareness about checking your tits. Check your boobs. Check them. Male, female, non-binary. Check your breasts. Everybody has breast tissue. And if you have breast tissue, you need to check it. You need to understand what your body feels like. And actually not even f- from a breast cancer point of view. From a what is your body doing point of view. Do you know what your body's doing? Do you know why your body is reacting to whatever oh I've got an upset tummy today is it because you ate something is it because you're stressed do you know what's going on inside of you so those are my reasons for doing this podcast and somebody asked why it's called be a handsy bish and when I talk about when I found my lump I talk about being handsy I talk about I'm just touching my boobs in bed giving myself a good feel up in a non- naughty way in a no yeah in a non-naughty way so I just woke up and I was giving myself a squeeze and and I was handsy I'm handsy with myself I'm constantly touching myself I'm constantly touching my arms my tummy my chest my face so I'm handsy and bish is a is a a slang word for bitch and not in a derogatory way um at all but yeah be a handsy bish be that handsy person that's me I am a handsy bish. So that's where the name come from. Come from, came from. God, I can't believe I'm going. I'm going into my last chemo. I'm going into my last chemo this week. I started my chemotherapy on the 30th of December, 2020. And here we are. Today is the 3rd of May. How many, how many weeks ago was that? 12, 12 plus 8. <laughs> what's 12 plus 8 god how am I going to raise a child 20 almost tw- yeah 20 weeks ago I started my chemotherapy 20 weeks I've been on this journey and here's me wondering why I'm feeling a bit run down and a bit unwell and a bit fed up of it all 20 weeks of chemotherapy and actually at so let me tell you what happened let me tell you what happened this past week so I started to feel unwell probably last weekend just feeling really really tired and like I say I had the COVID injection last Saturday very very sore arm but didn't have a fever didn't feel fluish I just started to feel unwell I was also feeling really emotional I've spoken about it before but my chemo cycle so my after I have chemo the cycle that my body goes through is you know steroids the first three days and then I go on this steroid come down so by the end of the weekend by the Monday Tuesday I generally get quite emotional anyway 
but I found myself really tearful for days, for days. I just couldn't really stop crying. And by Tuesday, I was in quite a state, to be honest. I had a counselling session on Tuesday morning and we talked about many things that I'm not going to talk about here. But one of the things that we did talk about was not really acknowledging my emotions. And I spent most of my time on that call crying. And Alan, his name's Alan, (laughs) of course it is. (laughs) His name's Alan. Just asking me, how does that make you feel? You've not really acknowledged that before. And so I was definitely having a moment where there were lots of things going on. I was feeling lots of feels. And it was the first time in a long time I'd allowed myself to feel like this. I think I've definitely had a good run of a very good few weeks where I've not been quite so miserable. And and it it just hit me, just hit me like a total ton of, like I wasn't feeling well. I was angry about so much, so much anger about so much different things. And then I realised I had to rest. I was so tired. I was exhausted. My head was pounding. My ears were washing. And it's like, I've got to take the day off. I've got to take the day off. So I, I did nothing. I didn't work. I went to bed. I took myself to bed. And I phoned my mum and I was like, I just don't feel well, mum. I'm so tired of feeling like this. And she said, you know, phone my acute team. So I phoned the acute oncology team and we had some conversations. My heart had been pounding, palpitations. And I felt like I recognised that this was how I had felt just before I had my last transfusion. But at that time, when I had the first transfusion, I didn't realise that those were symptoms of of low haemoglobin. I'm not saying anemia because I'm not actually anemic. Um, or I, I am anemic, but it's not low iron. So I think when people traditionally think of anemia, they think of low iron. But my iron levels are fine. Anyway... I phoned acute oncology and I had a chat with the the doctor and she was telling me to go to A&E and I've got massive issues with Lewisham Hospital. I try not to go there unless I absolutely have to. So I was a bit like, no, I'm not going to (laughs) A&E. And she said, okay, right. So we came to this compromise. If I got worse, if the palpitations continued, then I would go to A&E. If not, then I could go to the cancer centre on the Wednesday, get some bloods taken and they would see if I needed another transfusion and so I was very much let I promise I'll go to A&E if I need to at this point you know I could I could barely get out of bed and I was just exhausted I was just so exhausted so the next day Wednesday I got up and I managed well I took an Uber because there's absolutely no way I could have got on public transport so I took an Uber I got there and I took my blood and it was my favourite blood taking lady. She is wonderful. She is an expert at pick lines and I always end up with her. And she, oh, you're here. What are you doing here? Because I wasn't due until Wednesday. No, I wasn't due at all. I was due this Wednesday. So she, we've kind of got into my cycle. She knows when I'm due and when I'm not due. And I said to her what was going on. And before she'd even finished taking my blood, the um, someone from the team had slapped a transfusion form in front of her. I was like, okay, so they're going to do a transfusion. So I go upstairs to get my pick line dressing changed as well. And I speak to the nurse. And she kind of looks at me and um, 
she's like, okay, so I need to call acute oncology. So she calls acute oncology. There's this whole big back and forth about what to do with me. She eventually says that they're going to see me, but it's going to be two hours. So I settled down. She bought me some lunch. She bought me my sandwich, little pot custard, my little, little satsuma. And I settled in. Basically, I had nowhere else to be, to be honest. And I was feeling so unwell and I just wanted them to sort it. I just wanted to not feel like this. And my whole thing over this week is I just don't want to feel like this anymore. And I keep finding myself saying, I've just got to get through one more session, one more session, uh, and then I'll be on the up. The amount of times I've said, and then I'll be on the up is hilarious. So finally, I see the guy, Richard, the doctor, or whatever he is in acute oncology. Acute oncology, not cute oncology, acute oncology. And, oh, the funny, <laughs> no, I've got to go back a bit. Before I see Richard, before any of this, the nurse who's changing my pick dressing looks at my notes and she's like, I can't tell you the results of your blood test, but they are in. And then another nurse comes in, Sherry, who I know, who I see there all the time. She's like, oh, so good to see you. And I was like, oh, I'm really unwell. But they both look at my notes and one of them goes, yeah. And the other goes, hmm. And you just know when you hear that, that it's like, it's not good. Hmm, yeah. But neither of them can tell me what's going on. And I said, are they going to sort me out, Sherry? She said, yeah. Then Richard comes down and he talks to me and we're having a chat. And I I actually just feel a bit, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm wasting people's time. They tell you to call if you're not feeling well. They tell you to. There's this whole traffic light system. If it's a symptom that's green, you don't need to worry. If it's orange, then you kind of need to to think about it and if it's two oranges you have to call either 999 or acute oncology but I always feel really guilty phoning acute oncology I always feel a bit like I'm wasting their time and this is a big part of my issue uh, which I'll go into in a second but yeah anyway we're talking he says yeah we're going to book you in for a transfusion it's going to be tomorrow at 9 30 I said okay great why why are my blood levels falling they don't know so everything else looks normal like I say my iron levels are normal there's no infection my white blood count is okay they don't know why I keep dropping the levels like this apart from the chemo and Richard did say that I'm on a really intense regime which cool okay that that kind of explains why I feel so crappy if it is an intense regime and the previous doctor did tell me that I'm on really high volumes because I'm you know I'm not a small person but man it's wrecking me it is wrecking me so I go in the next day for my transfusion and great two units again I'm there all day and it doesn't make me feel better the difference after my first transfusion was out of this world I was like the hills are alive with the sound of music. I felt like a rabbit on a spring day. Bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. Boom, boom, boom. And this time, I was just like, all right, cool. Bye. Back home and back to bed. <laughs> I still felt crap. So awful. This whole week. And I, I realised that I've had, you know... 18, 19 weeks of very strong drugs coming into my system. It's going to take its toll, but I'm still not allowing myself the the space to kind of go, this is a lot. This is a lot. So I feel like 
I've said it in an Instagram post. I don't know if I'm being a wimp or not. Logic tells me, 18 weeks down the line, a serious amount of body-altering drugs, which are known to have crazy side effects. I mean, if it's something that can make your eyelashes fall out and your eyebrows, on one eyebrow I've got one hair and on the other I've got three. That's where we're at now. I've got one eyelash on one of my eyes at the bottom and about five on the other eyes at the bottom. But surely logic dictates that if (laughs) my fingernails are coming off, I'll finish this thought in a minute, but my fingernails are coming away from the nail bed and some of them are turning black. My thumbnails have turned black. Tiana's like, your fingers are dirty. No, babes, it's the chemo. So surely if the drugs can have all these outwardly physical side effects, why am I so stunned that it will make me feel so crappy on the inside? Why can't my body make that connection? Why can't my brain make that connection? As to why I'm struggling 18 weeks down the line. It's been an uphill struggle. My MRI doctor, every time I see him, keeps talking about the fact that it's a marathon, it's a marathon, it's a marathon. I've run a marathon, I know how hard they are. Not as hard as this, mate. Not as hard as this. So yeah, in my post, I was like, I feel like a wimp. And everyone's like, no, you're not a wimp, you're not a wimp. And perhaps perhaps I feel like this as well, because I'm putting a lot out there publicly. And so it does it does feel like I'm moaning a lot because in life I don't think I've ever moaned as much as I have over the past 20 weeks. And I'm also acutely aware that other people have it worse. And if someone said that to me, I'd be like, but it's all relevant. This is what you're going through. So why can't I take my, why do we never take our own advice? Why can't I take my own advice? Why don't we take our own advice? Because it is all relevant and this is what I'm going through and I've never gone through it before and, you know, I'm on very high, strong doses of the drugs that they're giving me. But I'm not allowing myself to slack. I don't know why. I'm going to read my caption on my Instagram post um, for those who haven't seen it. So you can kind of, so like, you're not like, what is she talking about? What what are those chatting shit? So... I said, this week has been tough. So, so tough. My red levels dropped again. So I had to have another transfusion. I think the thing about the transfusions, this is me, not my caption now. Um, I kind of didn't, it, I kind of feel like, why are we here again with the transfusion? A bit fed up. The first time it was a bit new and a bit exciting. Going to get new blood. And this time I was just feeling so unwell. I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I'm over it. I was over. The novelty's worn off. Uh, um, I, didn't, I haven't even spoken about my pain I've got pain in my whole body from the injections I take to keep my white blood cells up so this is me again now, not my caption I've barely been able to walk and that last week it's been intense there was a day where I've got to take my antihistamine with my injection a few a few weeks ago you know, like four weeks ago and as soon as I did that I could feel the the pain And this time I've been taking my antihistamines every single time and I've still been getting intense back pain and it's like my body is spasming. If I move too quickly, if I move too fast, my body is spasming. 
pain is clutching my spine. It grabs it and it shakes it, is the only way I can describe it. And so that was a lot to take in. Last Sunday, I went to Dunelm. Got some cushions. They're gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. But walking back, I had to walk up a hill and it really did me in. My sister keeps telling me, you know that little jaunt you took to Dunelm? That's why you're like, oh, no, that's not why I feel like this. But since then, I've been feeling really, really rough. Maybe it was Dunelm. Maybe Dunelm did this to me. Buying cushions makes it worse. I've not felt as, this isn't my caption again. I've not felt unwell and weak throughout this whole process as I have over the past few days, not just physically, but mentally too. I have counselling and it helps, but my resilience is close to zero. Oh, can you tell I was feeling proper sorry for myself? Keep telling myself one more session and then just another 10 to 14 days after that and I'll be on the up again. But I'm not going to lie, I'm close to breaking. Really, me again now. Very, very, very close to breaking. You know, anyone who's suffered from depression or really, really down days or dark days, when you can feel those clouds rolling in, oh, it just makes it, um, you've kind of got two choices. I know, or I feel like I've got two choices when I feel those clouds rolling in. I can try and battle my way out of it or we're going to be in for a really rocky road. And last week I didn't have the strength to battle battle my way out of it I was just so down I keep asking myself if I'm, a, if I'm being a bit, a wimp, bit of a wimp about it all I'm currently on the fence I really hope I get my 48 hours of feeling normal on Monday Tuesday before the last session on Wednesday laughing emoji um, putting myself on as much rest as possible for the next couple of weeks and then something about me posting a selfie so I suppose that kind of gives an indication of how miserable I was feeling and how unwell I was feeling. But this idea that I just need to get to the the last session and then I'll be on the up. I, and I, I keep forgetting that I've then got to go through two weeks of feeling crap before I hopefully start feeling better. And every time I'm reminded of that, I'm like, so it's not just this session I've got to get through. It's this session and another two weeks of feeling crap when my body is just so run down and over it that I don't really know what's going to happen and the other thing oh you've come this far look how far you've come you've done 20 weeks of it yeah but (laughs) I don't feel brave I don't feel strong I don't feel inspirational I don't feel like a warrior because I had, like, I had no choice in this. I had no choice but to go through 20 weeks of chemo. Otherwise, what's going to happen? Anyway, I've rambled on about this. Rambled on. I have got a day of normality today. Today, I've been feeling much, much better. We managed to go out to Beckenham Place Park. which was ram-a-jam-jam. Um, and although I was very slow in walking... It felt good. It felt good to be out because my back has been so bad. Oh, so bad. I'm still waiting for an MRI. They basically said I have to have an MRI on my back because I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah, I'm waiting for a back MRI because I've got quite a lot of pain. And so they just want to check and make sure it's all okay. Uh, But I did manage to walk around the park. How many steps have I done today? Let's have a look. Let's have a look. 4,320. Not that many at all. 
but a lot for me. Went to home base. Chris almost said no to home base because when I got back in the car, I was in a lot of pain by that point. And he was like, no, we're going home. I was like, no, we need plant pots. We're going to home base. But we didn't go back to Dunelm, the scene of the crime, the place that caused all this. Uh, yeah, so it's been a really good day. I don't feel nauseous. I do feel a bit tired. I do feel a lot tired. I feel knackered. But I don't feel the, like, I I don't feel like I can't move, I, which is how I, ha- I was feeling before that. And I put myself on this um, bed rest. I've had to be really, not strict with myself, where am I going to go really? But it was a friend's birthday with this weekend. She was having a picnic in the park. And I had to say, no, I can't come because I need to stay home and look after myself. I need to be warm. I need to be resting. And that's how it's going to be for the next few weeks as well, because I don't want to jinx the next session, but I need to be prepared that it's going to be a struggle after the next session as well. So yeah, that's what's been going on the past couple of weeks. That's a half an hour of that chat. In the last podcast, The Dead Game. (laughs) I can't believe how hilarious you people found that story about my sister basically abusing me for our childhood, throughout our childhood. She, that's what it was, childhood abuse, sister abuse. No one else had ever played that game before, but there was a meme that I'd seen. Imaginary ideas, imaginary play ideas for your kids when you're tired. And I'd seen this and then someone sent it to me as well. Did, did I talk about this? I don't know if I did. I don't remember if I did last time. Anyway, Don't Wake the Giant, pretty sure we played that game when we were kids, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, so someone is the sleeping giant, and your child, so you were the sleeping giant, and your child is, is not allowed to wake you, I reckon that's a really good way of getting some Z's, now we did talk about this last time, oh I'm gonna, did we? I don't know. I'm going to go through them again anyway, as a reminder for everybody, because clearly I don't remember anything. Police officers locked in floor jail. That's quite a good one. They're the police officer. You're in jail. Oh, I'm in floor jail and I've been very naughty. must be very quiet. Camping. That's quite a good one. Quite a chilled one. Doctors and patients pretend to be unconscious and they have to... That is very much like the dead game, doctors and patients. My sister reminded me of some games, some also torturous games that we used to play, one of which was the uh, the taste game. I know you guys must have played this game. Uh, one person would be blindfolded, usually me. The other person would then be allowed to make a concoction that they could feed you and you had to then guess what it was. And at the start of the game, you know, oh, don't do horrible ones, do nice ones. And she'd promise, oh, don't do nice ones. Nothing horrible, nothing horrible. And of course, she'd always do horrible ones. But if I did it and I said, I'm going to do nice ones and I'll do nice ones. Just remember, like jam, vinegar, salt, Tabasco on bread. Ugh. Oh, she was so horrible to me. That was one game that we play. And then another game was Stay the Way You Fall. So if we're in car journeys, you had to 
if the car turned and you fell to one side, you'd fall against the person and you have to stay that way until the car turned again and you'd fall in a different direction. But of course, if she fell on me, it would be like the dead game. Natasha fell on me. That's her name, Natasha. And she'd just be a dead weight, like bleh. Until the car went in a different direction, basically crushing her tiny little innocent sister. At this point, I do have to tell you the story of the time that my sister saved my life because I should be eternally grateful for her. And she's going to listen to this and she's going to say, don't you remember that time I saved your life? When I was tiny I and before cars had, I don't know, child locks or they weren't standard. We were driving along in my granddad's car and for some reason I'd taken off my seatbelt and I then opened the car door as we were driving along. I don't know. I'm going to say a very busy motorway at 70 miles per hour, which definitely isn't true, but might be true. And it adds for dramatic effect. So we were driving down an extremely fast motorway, probably going way over the speed limit, like 100 miles. And I said, world, I've had enough, ripped off my seatbelt and opened the door and tried to jump out of the car. At which point my sister screamed, no, Leanne, pulled me in, clutching me to her chest holding me saying don't do it don't do it and saved my life that is exactly what happened in this scenario she saved my life and she reminds me of it every single time so now you all know that she saved my life too um i'm also on my other little list here to talk about today fun stuff with tiana oh if you haven't seen the video that we did where we got a cook school box so cook school not cooks <laughs> did i just say cook school did i just say cook school no i didn't cook school cook school is a an organization that provides recipe boxes for children to learn how to cook and we got one we got the lasagna the veggie lasagna one and it was flipping awesome. It lays out the steps really, really easily. Each box focuses on a, a cooking skill. So our box was grating. And it's a really good opportunity to cook with kids. And I'm trying to cook with Tiana a bit more. Trying to do more everything with her. And she really, really enjoyed it. And I recorded it so that they had some assets for their social. And they did give me a, a discount as well. I feel like you should say these things, to be clear. But we loved it. And they made a really awesome video from it, which you can see I put on my Instagram. She's so cute. She's so cute. She's like, okay, we're making dinner. I didn't realise how cute she was until I watched the video back. And she's like, Peppa, Peppa, what are we doing now, mummy? Let's read the instructions. Oh, she's such a little gem. She's also still being really quite cheeky. But now she tells me, we don't like mummy, do we? So she doesn't say Mm-mm, anymore because I said it's not very nice. I don't like it. So now she doesn't like it either. And she tells me about four times a day. We don't like Mm-mm, do we, mummy? So I'm glad that she understands that that is not part of our vocabulary. But it hasn't stopped her from just being awesomely cheeky quite a lot of the time. She's she's getting there. She's just pushing boundaries. I haven't wanted to throw her out the window over the past couple of weeks, I must say. And a few weeks ago, there were definitely a few times where I was like, oh no, I'm not really enjoying this parenting lark anymore. But she, yeah, 
she she's good she's awesome she's my favorite thing at the moment is the way she scoots so she's picked up this little kiddie habit they all have when they're on their scooters and they're zooming along and they coast with their little foot out like their little tony hawks doing tricks but she's not she's getting about four miles an hour on her scooter hilarious um we also have made some pop hits we are now a family musical band chris is not involved because he doesn't get it (laughs) Uh, but we made up two songs one is called um have you got little eyes or little eyes for short the other is one leg two leg um which also converts into any other body part you shall wish one arm two arm um one foot two foot she did try and say one bum two bum but we said we don't talk about bum bums uh so you know that's not a goer um if anyone would like to hear these hits do let me know they are available on vinyl and cd and cassette recordings at your local hmv um and yeah i guess finally in what 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 time is it now it's coming up for 10 o'clock on monday how many hours to my next chemo 10 o'clock tuesday like 36 hours until i have my please 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 to the people who make these decisions let this be my final chemotherapy session i'm pretty sure it will be because everything's going really really in the right direction everything's shrinking everything's hard to find so wednesday is going to be my final chemo session and i just cannot wait i'm actually excited i'm excited about chemo because it's going to be my last one uh and i don't know i need to i need to treat myself with something some of it is going to be cheese it's definitely going to be cheese there's definitely going to be a massage booked I'm definitely going to possibly put some Prosecco in the fridge and get drunk. But man, 20 weeks, 20 weeks. It's coming to an end. My final chemo session. I'm going to see my mum. I'm going to hug her. I'm going to cry my little eyes out. Um, Somebody tell Chris to buy me a present. Chris, if you're listening, buy me a present. And yeah. Yeah, final chemo. So that's Wednesday. That's Wednesday. There's going to be snot and tears on the Instagram, I tell you. And other than that, the rest of my week is going to be spent resting as much as possible um, so that I start to feel tip-top, tip-top, tippity-top. That's it. That is it. I hope everyone has an awesome week ahead. I did plan to have someone on the show today, but we haven't managed to get it get it there yet um so it's coming i know i say that every week i'm ready for guests i'm ready for guests but there's someone i want to have on first and we just need to align our lives um so once that happens then she'll be on i'll see you next time sorry i had a little break this week but it was needed thank you for all the well wishes if you're listening on itunes rate me baby rate me 17 people had reviewed my podcast last time I looked and given it five star reviews and I feel quite proud of that thank you all 17 of you I love you if you listen on Spotify I don't know how you rate and review but do so if you listen on Acast uh, rate and review wherever you're listening rate and review and share share with your friends please 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 check your boobs 
Thanks so much. See you soon. Bye.